0: You are listening to The Willpower Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Will Holdren, and I talk with some of the most influential CEOs, entrepreneurial leaders, and thought leaders to try and reveal the secrets that has led to their success. I believe that with the right knowledge and mindset, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if you want to learn how to change your life for the better, if you want to learn how millionaires actually became wealthy, or if you want to develop and start your own business from the ground up with the right knowledge to help you, then you are in the right place because this is is the Willpower Podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have enjoyed an episode, then please, please open up Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And if you think we deserve it, scroll to the bottom, select write a review, and leave us a five-star rating with a review that states where you are from and one aspect of the show that you love. Once you do that, send me a screenshot and I will feature you on a future show and shout you out on my Instagram that has over 10,000 followers. Now let's get to the show with our newest guest.
1: How's
0: it going, guys? My name is Will Holdren. I am the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Jimmy Rex. And Jimmy is known as a social realtor, and he loves bringing happiness to others. He has a top-rated podcast called The Jimmy Rex Show, and he has sold over 2,500 homes in his career. On top of that, he's an angel investor, and he loves to network with other people, so it's an honor to have him on here. So, Jimmy Rex, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Good to be here, Well, Appreciate it, man.
0: Awesome. I love it. So to start off, I want to go way back. I want to go into your childhood. So kind of walk me through your childhood situation. Where did you guys live at, and how did your childhood situation affect who you are today?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that one of the gifts of my life is I grew up in a family that really struggled a lot when I was a kid. My dad drove an 18-wheeler diesel truck for most of my childhood, seven kids. You can imagine, you know, he was on the road a lot and trying to provide for us. And my mom was a school teacher on and off. Um, but it was a really fun house. I mean, I have seven si- or six siblings or seven of us kids in the house. And uh, and so, you know, I mean, we, start, we really got to appreciate things and we created our own fun. Um, we did have like a giant field and, and we'd go out and just friggin' hustle all the time. I remember when I was, you know, just a little kid, every time that I could, I'd think of opportunities, ways to make money or do stuff. I'd always have the garage sell or sell baseball cards or lemonade or go door to door selling pictures I'd drawn or something, you know, just trying to make a few bucks. And, um, but it was a fun childhood, man. It was, uh, but I was, uh, it was a little bit of a hustle.
0: Right. Right. Awesome. And so kind of going through high school, were you a straight A student or did you kind of struggle going through school or what was that side of things looking
1: like? Um, I was naturally a pretty smart kid. So, like, I got good grades. I never took it that serious, to be honest. Even when I was in high school, I kind of just remember, you know, I wanted to get good enough grades so my parents would stay off my back. So I was like probably a 3-5 student or whatever. But I never spent that much time actually in the books. I didn't love studying, till, frankly, till I was in my 20s um, and I could start studying what I wanted to. Um, but in school, I mean, I was, I was always just trying to have a good time in high school, I was a class clown. Um, you know, my senior year, that was the award I won and and my parents are like, oh, we're so proud. Um, I did a really good job of, um, you know, paying attention to people and, and how stuff worked, how society worked, how things functioned. And, and so I really got to learn my emotional intelligence was building all the time, built a really amazing group of buddies. There's eight of us that to this day are all best friends. And it's one of the things that I think kids nowadays it's, they struggle to, to be able to have something like that. And, and I, I, we kind of were just in that generation before the internet that got a little lucky. I remember when we all got our emails together and we all started sending each other emails every night and stuff. But um, so what we would do instead is we'd get together all the time and hang out every Sunday night. We'd all get together and play board games. We'd play Risk and no phones, no distractions. I mean, it was really a glory type of days. And, uh, and to this day, like I said, we're all best friends. Two weeks ago, I was in Central America um hiking a volcano with two of those guys uh, my buddy nick and my buddy ben like we literally touch base with all of them every week and uh so high school was fun man i had a happy childhood i had a really i had a really good little childhood
0: uh, yeah, i am super jealous i always thought to myself like i think i'd rather be born like 30 years ago before the internet was here because you know you have that group of eight best friends and like to be honest like we don't have that anymore like like in my uh, no and it's
1: it breaks my heart i have all these nieces and nephews and it's hard to duplicate. You can't really do it. We're so distracted. And, you know, and I mean, it was a glory day, man. It was, but people really, you know, and it's one of those things that I try to do now. I try to replicate that that as much as possible get people together create opportunities. A lot of the things that I do, I'm always gathering people. I'm always trying to get people together. You know, I just, for example, I just rented out a comedy club on May 6th and then uh, June 3rd, I rented out the water park for a night on July 1st. I do my big firework event. We have over 4,000 people there. August, I rented out a different water park. Like I'm always doing things to try to bring people together because that's truly like the flavor of life. Like the beauty of life is to be able to have those connections and be with people and experience life with other people. So, um, it's something I definitely encourage people as much as you can to try to be a gatherer and try to bring, you know, community together.
0: Yep. Yeah, just having that social interaction, you know, and it doesn't happen anymore today. So, true. so, yeah, so, so kind of jump back in your story. So you were able to kind of figure out things on your own because you grew up in kind of a more poor environment. You were a straight-A student in high school, which is pretty cool. So did you end up going to college or did you end up starting straight into entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah. So I actually, when I was 18 years old, well, 19 years old, I, uh, I went on an LDS mission for my church. And so I spent two years in Mexico, um, literally from six in the morning till 10 30 at night, every single day teaching about Jesus and God and stuff. Awesome. Um, and, uh, I mean, you fly in, you don't know anything. You don't know how to speak. You don't know how to talk. Spanish and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you just kind of baptism by fire, but, uh, you know, and it's funny because like, I'm no longer a member of that religion, but I still am so grateful for that time because it truly was amazing. Like you spend every day just worrying about other people, going out of your way to help other people. And when you're doing that, you just come from such a great place. I mean, it really is, just, I was as happy then as I've ever been. I just, I really loved going and helping people all day and doing that, but that was kind of my first foray into adulthood I mean you're in a foreign country by yourself for two <laughs> years um not speaking the language it's a really good way to grow up and then after that I went to college for two years and then I uh, I quit to uh, start some businesses started a couple my first couple businesses and just kind of ran from there that's awesome I really love that you
0: mentioned the mission trip too because um my junior high school I went to Minnesota for a mission trip and like you said, like just being able to like help other people, like there's nothing like, it's like the one of the best experiences in the world. And you generally feel happy and you're like, you're making other people's lives better. I mean, there's, that's just the best thing. Yeah. So kind of touching, kind of touching that. What was the, like the main things you learned from that mission trip that you kind of carry with you still today?
1: Number one, man, is just that there's so much honor and hard work. Like we would work so hard. We'd get up at six every day. And in fact, in two years, I didn't sleep in one time in two years. I mean, we got up every single day. And you work all day from nine o'clock, you leave the house and you don't get back till nine at night, nine 30 at night. Wow! And you're just working all day. You're knocking doors, you're finding people, you're teaching discussions, but every single night you come home with such a sense of fulfillment. And I think it's one of those things that people want the prize these days without having to put in the work. Like I did the same thing with my real estate business when I started it up. It's like, there's so much honor and hard work and somebody can give you, you know, money, they can give you. Uh, whatever it might be. But when you've earned that thing, when you've had to work for that thing, you appreciate it so much more. And that's why, you know, you see all these policies by the government. They're trying to give everybody everything for free. And it's like, you don't appreciate it the same way when you don't have to grind for it. You don't have to suffer for it a little bit. And so I think they rob people of the self-confidence that you grow, the internal self-confidence of knowing like, oh, I've got this. Like I can do hard things. Um, You know, I can get through anything. And so when you keep bailing people out or you keep giving people things, you really do rob them of that self-confidence building. And so I'm just so grateful that I had the chance to do that because for me, that was the biggest lesson. It's like every single day you just go to bed so fulfilled, knowing you put in a hard day's work. And that's where real self-confidence, that's where real fulfillment comes from. Yeah. And I think
0: to touch on that, I think that's another concept that's dying out. Like the hard work kind of pays off, just like we're talking about that social interaction before. Like I think that's another thing that's just dying off as we go into the future more. Um so kind of touching back on your story. So you went to college for two years, then you dropped out. Um, what made you decide to drop out and what did your parents think of that decision
1: yeah no it's kind of an interesting situation so when i got home from my mission my dad he had paid for all my siblings colleges paid for their weddings and all that kind of stuff i was the sixth of seven kids and kind of the youngest one in that sense and um i remember one day my dad was trying to tell me what school to go to and what he wanted me to do for work and stuff and i remember i went and he'd given me a car to drive and a credit card to use for gas and stuff and i went i'd been selling meat door to door i'd started my own business selling meat i was making three, three to 500 bucks a day, some days, thousand bucks. And so <laughs> I walked in his room, I, know, I remember, and he just kept telling me what he wanted me to do. And I walked in and I said, Hey dad, I'm just want you to let you know, this is about two months after I got home from my mission, I did it pretty quick. I said, I'm just want you to know, I'm cutting myself off. I'm going to pay for all my own stuff. And here's your keys. And here's your credit card. And he's like, well, no, I'll pay for it. I was like, no, no, no. I, I want to pay for my own stuff because I knew in that moment, he no longer could tell me what he wanted me to do or not to do. And it's funny because he had this idea of where I should go, what I should do, but I always just kind of wanted to do my own path. And I'll be honest, I fell down a lot on that path because I was doing it all myself. I was figuring it all out myself, but my parents were kind of letting me do me. Honestly, they were pretty good at that um, from that day forward. And uh, I originally, when I dropped out of college, it wasn't just because I was like, you want to go surf or travel the world. Or something. I am. Um, I started my own business, my meat business. And then I also was doing real estate full time. And then I also had a TV show that I had just started that I was the creator of. And so I was working these three businesses and I just didn't have time for school. And so for the next three, four years, I was doing that. And then, the you know, the meat business, long story short, didn't work out. The TV show I sold off and then I was just doing the real estate. And I mean, my first year as a realtor, I sold 60 houses. My second year, I sold 98 homes. So they couldn't really say much. I was like one of the top realtors in the country and, wow. uh, stayed up, you know, one of the two finalists for salesperson of the year on the board of realtors as a 25 year old. And so I was just hustling and grinding man. And I didn't, you know, I actually didn't think I'd ever go back to school, but it's funny because it's a really great way to network. And I always tell kids this when they say, you know, should I go to college or not? I say, if you're trying to go to college to learn, probably not, unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer where you have to have a specific degree, I said, don't waste your time in college. but if you want to use it as an opportunity to network and meet people and have experiences, hell yeah, go to college. And that's kind of what I did. I used college as a way to network with other people to, you know, to, to meet people and stuff. And so even though I was in, I was, so when I went back to college, I was like 20 I was 27 or 28. And what had happened is I broke off an engagement and I just wanted to meet new girls. And so I went back to school. my degree so I ended up getting my bachelor's and then I actually two years later went to Arizona State and I got my master's degree in real estate development so as it sits I have a master's degree from Arizona State but it was you know I graduated when I was 31 years old finally by the time I had gone through it all and honestly it was just for me it was a really fun way to meet people I always thought of the college that way
0: yeah yeah and I always love talking about this topic because a lot of people have my podcast say the same thing like don't go to college to necessarily learn just like you're saying it's more of a great networking experience um which I totally agree with since I'm in college right now um but looking at your story like do you regret taking a pause on college when you did
1: no man I I'm not gonna tell you I'm a genius but I accidentally nailed it I really did like I got money early like I wanted to I never wanted to go to college I in fact one of the buddies I was with in Central America he's a plastic surgeon guy went to 14 years of college dude and I love this guy And uh, he's killing it now. He's making a fortune now, you know, but I watched him for 15 years be dead broke after college or after high school. And I never wanted to go that route. I always wanted to have money young. Like I wanted to experience things when I was young in my 20s. And I did, you know, I mean, I was, I made all this money, lost all this money, invested and lost, made and lost it. I had this, but I had so much life experience in it it was cool because, you know, when we were in Central America, he's like asking me advice on all these different investing things that I've learned over the years just by going through it. And so it was kind of fun for me to be able to kind of talk to him and help him with some of these different things that I've learned. But for me, I feel like I accidentally nailed it. Like I, you know, I had money young. I went through all the ups and downs of being a business owner, all these different businesses. Um, and then, you know, got to a point where I came out, and I learned and I adjusted and did things differently, but, and, uh, so for me, I think it was a perfect route, man.
0: Right. And just like your, your plastic surgeon, buddy, like you, you spent that 15 years, like getting experience and he was that 15 years in school, like still studying and grinding that out. So there's a difference in that for sure. Um, yeah. So with your businesses? Like, why did you start a meat business out of all things? Like what made you want to sell meat door to door?
1: Yeah, no, it's, when I got over <laughs> my mission, I knew I liked talking to, I like sales. And so I originally actually wanted to be a waiter because um, talking to people all day and nobody would hire me because I didn't want to work on Sundays, part of my religious belief at that time. And so I was like, well, I'll go into sales. And so I interviewed for all these different jobs. And I found this, you know, the one that I ended up landing on, I interviewed for this job to sell steak and chicken door to door. And the guy explained it to me and he's like, yeah, you can make like 250 bucks a day. Here's how it works. And I was like, geez, that actually sounds pretty nice. And so I started doing it. And sure enough, my first day I made a ton of money and first week made over a thousand bucks first month, you know, I'd say several thousand dollars and I thought I was rich, man, I was on my way. And so what I did is after a few months, I noticed in like our office, I was the only one that was going out and actually selling anything all day. We'd have our numbers on the board of all the sales guys, but everybody seemed to be pretty happy The you know, the lights were on, the doors were still coming every day. And I was like, man, how much am I making the bosses? And one day the boss did a sales incentive. And basically how it worked is I would get the case for like $105. Um, had 60 stakes in it and anything I sold over that I got to keep. Um, and on this particular day, uh, the boss said, all right, every case you sell today, if you get over 10 is going to cost you only 80 bucks. So I remember thinking like wow he's making 25 bucks a case i'm selling 10 a day i'm like that's 250 bucks a day that's a lot of money he's making off me so i googled on the side of the box the name of the company and i called them pretending to be a new person looking to distribute meat i'm like how much does the case of meat cost and he's like well the case that you're talking about we can get you for 58 bucks and i was like Oh, my bosses were making like 600 bucks a day off me. So that day I went to my boss and I said, I'm done. I'm gonna do this myself. Now I don't need you guys. Um, If you want to, and then the one guy I really liked, his name was Herman. I said, if you want to partner, then we can partner up. Otherwise, I'm going on my own. He goes, let's partner. You're my best sales guy. I love working with you. So me and him partnered up. And that's how I formed the meat company. Just I was a job I was doing. And very quickly, I realized there was a better way to be doing it. And my income tripled immediately when I you know, owned it versus working for them.
0: That's super cool. And so what'd you kind of learn from doing door-to-door sales? Because that's such a hard market to tap into. A lot of people struggle with that, but obviously you had pretty much instant instant success with this. So what are your main takeaways from that? What'd you learn from it?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the funny part about what I really learned from working with Herman, this guy was a sales genius, and um, it was how to read people, right? You got these four different behavioral styles. You got different ways to treat people. Um, people have certain spending habits. This is where I started to understand the psychology of selling. Like, if somebody has really nice cars out front and they've got little trinkets on their lawn or a lot of decorations on their porch, that person spends money. Go to those doors. So, we really would cherry pick these doors. Um, the other thing I really learned was how to make sure you enjoy everything that you're doing. Like, I had as much fun selling meat door to door as anything I've ever done. We just made it a fun thing every single day. Every single door we'd knock on, we'd have a riot, we'd have jokes. We'd just made it fun, and I realized, you know, that we truly determine our own success and our own outcomes um, based upon the attitude that we put into it. Because if I had a bad day when I wasn't ready to go out, I mean, you're not selling anything. But I would get myself in mode every day, and then that, you know, go find those people that were going to buy. But so it was, it was fun, man. It was a definitely a an interesting time in my life when I was selling major. But um, we got really good at it. Oh, another lesson I learned. Here's one that we hired this guy one time. And what we would do is we'd put a freezer in the back of their truck and have like eight cases of meat. And this guy comes back one day, one day and this freezer is gone. We're like, dude, where the hell's the freezer? He's like, well, I sold it. I just sold the whole thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he says, yeah, I said, I told the lady if she'd buy four cases, I'd give her the other five for free. And then I'd give her the freezer for free. And it came out like he made like 1200 bucks on this cell, like one cell. Wow. And I remember thinking like, that's holy crap. Like I've never even crossed my mind to sell the freezer. Right and 300 bucks you just factor it and we we'll go down to rc Willing, and get a new one and i remember when he said that and he goes you can't sell something you don't ask for it and so i'm like hmm i'm gonna start trying to sell the freezer and so i would go out and from that day forward i always tried because if i could make one cell selling the whole damn thing it was a lot better than selling all day and i would start every third or fourth day i'd just sell the whole freezer and just be like look lady if you help me you know they, people would be like oh, i don't have a freezer They're Like, oh, I'm take time and if you actually go for the sale it's amazing like you can you can make the sale and so i would sell four or five freezers a month
0: i this is super interesting to me because like like i'm confused like how you can just convince someone to just buy a whole bunch of meat in one day and a freezer in one day like that's just wild well,
1: i can tell you the psychology of it. people buy off of greed okay so we had a flyer that said this case was worth 400 dollars, right and it was good meat it was I mean, at 400 bucks, it would be expensive, but it'd be a little more than you pay at Costco, basically. So, But remember, my cost is 50 bucks a case by the time I'm on it, i come make 55 bucks a case. And so if I got nine cases, that's 450 bucks. Freezers, 300 bucks, that's 750 bucks. So I got to cover 750 bucks. So if I say to the lady, I said, hey, listen, I got nine cases of meat, five steak, two pork and two chicken. Tell you what, do me a favor. If you'll help me with, like, I don't know, buy four of them. I'll just give you the other five for free and I'll give you my freezer. And people don't know the value of freezers. I'm like, look, so I'm giving you 3000 bucks worth of meat for, you know, for 1500 bucks or whatever it was. And they'd be like, Oh my gosh. And so they'd be like, well, you have to have a reason, right? I'd be like, look, basically I have to work today till I sell all this. So if you'll just buy it all in once, I'll give you my freezer too. I'm done with this. They'd be like, okay. And that greed kicks in and that's where you make the sales. You got to have a pitch, you got to have a reason. And then boom, you play on their greed.
0: That's awesome. And so it seems like you're doing really well with this business. So why did this business end up failing?
1: The meat business? Well, um, unfortunately, I didn't know that my partner Herman, he was a guy from the Netherlands, 6'5", no teeth. Um, He was (laughs) seriously the best salesman I've ever met. Um, But he was on drugs. And I didn't know this. I was a pretty naive Mormon kid. And uh, and we actually franchised the company to St. George um, to a second location. This guy from Argentina. And the guy paid a an upfront cash amount of 35,000 bucks and Herman cashed it and disappeared for two weeks. And, uh, he went on a drug binge and all the stuff, because he was from the Netherlands, all the stuff was in my name. Um, he was renting a house of mine that I owned. I was at my house and I was putting all my expenses back into the company, all my profits back into the company. And so I had all this debt, we'd taken out bank loans and everything else. We really went big. We bought this huge walk-in freezer we had these big delivery trucks. We had all this stuff. We, um, you know, this warehouse, And long story short, when he stole that money, he just disappeared. He wouldn't answer his phone for two weeks. And I mean, I was just devastated when he came back, the money was gone and uh, he was wearing the same clothes he was wearing the day he left. And I just couldn't, I didn't want to deal in that anymore. I have never even been around drugs my entire life. And I just said, I'll be honest with you, man. Um, I love you, um, but you gotta go like, I'm done with this. And so I got stuck with $120,000 of debt and no company and uh and so yeah it was brutal man it was really hard and um we both were balling and you know to this day i haven't seen him since it's been 15 years but it would be a dream of mine if he knocked on my door and herman was standing there trying to sell me a case of steaks i'd just laugh you know but yeah. i loved that guy but um unfortunately man the drugs got him and and so we had to shut it down and thankfully i'd had my real estate license and so i got stuck i called all of our creditors i called the guy from argentina i said look i'm gonna pay you back i thought i was gonna go to jail like i thought of, i didn't know what was gonna happen I, I had no idea how to get out of this other than i needed to go to work and i need to make a lot of money fast and so that's when i jumped into real estate and um, i didn't have a choice uh, so i was working 80 90 hours a week no joke and i mean multiple days woke up wearing my suit um, and what i did is i took a poster board I put on the back of my door in my closet because I didn't want any girls to ever see it. I was like, I will never want to date me if they know I got all this debt. And uh, I mean, I'm 23 years old, you know, and, uh, and I would just write everybody I owed the money to and how much. And then every time I sold a house, I would pay these debts down and I'd cross it off and put the new amount It took me a little over a year, year and a half. And I paid everybody off, um, and got out of the debt. But what was cool about that, like the gift in all of that was, I joined real estate. A lot of people get into real estate and they're not that motivated. They don't really have a reason they need to make them. So they need to make like $2,000 to pay their cell phone and their rent. You know, um, I got in and I was like back to the wall, came out this of flurry. And so for me, it was the greatest gift I ever got was getting that debt or having that problem on my hands because it forced me to give everything I had to real estate. So my first year I sold 60 homes, man. Like I was a machine, you know? Um, and, uh, that's so. The gift in the whole thing is like rather than playing victim, and this is the interesting part, right? And this is why I'm so like against bailing people out and victim mentality. I, what a tragedy it would have been if somebody would have just bailed me out if I would have BK'd out of that money. Like I could have. In fact, I had a partner at that time. A buddy of mine had put forty thousand dollars in. Keep in mind, I had one hundred twenty thousand debt plus all the rest of my money was gone from that as well. And I worked it my way out of it. Called every one of my creditors, made a deal with them. And uh, he bankrupt out of this 40,000 debt he had. And, uh, and you know, that difference, I mean, i propelled my entire life because I took the choice to not take the bailout, out, to not um, go the easy route. And it sucked, man. Like there's nothing worse than cashing and five, $10,000 checks. And none of it goes in your bank account. You know, I was working hard. Um, but because I worked so hard at that time, um, it really made me who I am. And it really is what catapulted my entire career, both in real estate and business in general.
0: Yeah. Your back was definitely against the wall and the only place you could go was definitely up. Um, so before your meat business ended, did you have your real estate license before that, before that ended or after that ended?
1: Yeah. So I've gotten my real estate license. Like I was doing the meat, I was doing the TV show. I was just trying to figure out everything what I was going to do. Um, I was doing real estate a little bit, kind of just dabbling in it at first. So I had my license, but I decided to not do real estate. I was going to do the meat thing. I mean, we were going to go big. We were going to franchise. I was going to be retired by age 30. I mean, this, It was working. We made a lot of money, man. We had 12, 13 sales guys going out every day. I just didn't know the money was all going up Herman's nose and in his, you know, getting shot into his veins. But, um, long story short. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, for me, uh, I thought that the meat thing was going to be the thing. And then once Herman was out and it was just me and I was at all this debt, um, it was just overwhelming. I I had no desire to do the meat thing anymore. It was just, you know, just depressing to have it there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you have your license in your first year. You said you sold 60 homes, which does not have my accent. Like that's incredible. Like you said, that's one of the top agents like in the nation. So kind of talk to me, like how did you gain the knowledge to become a great realtor? And did you have like any mentors that help you along the way?
1: Yeah, that's a powerful lesson in that. So my first six months in real estate, that was kind of when I was dabbling. I was still doing the meat a little bit, trying to get out of that. And I sold, I think my first six months I sold like four or five homes. And then I actually, I found this flyer in my desk. It was when I was kind of desperate with the meeting. It was a flyer from a Mike Ferry seminar. Mike Ferry is the top real estate coach in the country, in my opinion. Um, every real estate agent should go through his boot camps because there's nothing like Mike Ferry to get you to be good at real estate. And uh, long story short, I went to his seminar. It was a three-day seminar. They taught me everything I wanted to know about real estate. And uh, so I signed up for the coaching. It was funny because I had no money. I mean, I was dead broke. I was had less money on else I knew because I had all this debt too. And I remember I went up to the guy that was given the the lesson and I said, Hey, listen, um, I can't pay for this today. But if you'll hold my credit card for like two, three weeks, I have a house closing, I'd love to sign up for the coaching. It was $1,000 a month 12 month commitment. This is a huge commitment for me at the time This is, you know, my number one expense I was gonna have in my life. But I signed up for it. And I just went all in like these, you know, I gave it everything I had. And, um, I said, if I'm going to do this coaching, I'm going to take it serious. And so I did it hundred percent and it worked. And you know, my first month in coaching, I think my first full month, I sold like 30 homes, like, <laughs> like 30 homes under contract. A lot of them didn't close for several months later. They were a lot of new builds. This is an 05 06, uh, this is 06. And then the next month I sold like 20 something homes and it was kind of off to the races from that point. But, um,
0: Yeah, that's that's very impressive. So, as an agent, like, how do you find deals? Like, how do you go about that process?
1: Well, back then, I called for sale by owners all day. So, I'd get a list of the for sale by owners, and I would just call them up, and I had a script, and I memorized, and I, you know, would do it all day. And when I started calling those for sale by owners, at first, you'd get one lead out of seventy would give you an appointment. By the time I was done, I could get a lead one out of twelve or one out of thirteen. Now, my entire business comes through social media marketing and just networking. Um, I know a lot of people, and I've got. I've sold 2,500 homes now. So I have a ton of past clients and people that know me. And so through my social media, through my past clients, I, you know, I stay in touch with a lot of them and by doing that, I'm able to, you know, sell this year. I think my team ended up doing four to 500 deals. Wow. That's,
0: that's really amazing. Super cool. Um, okay. So, so after you're doing really well in the real estate business, you're selling 60 homes a year. I mean, like, what did you learn at that coaching event that was able to, like, teach you all these things, like, super quickly? Because, like, like, why why wouldn't every real estate agent go to that coaching event then and then start selling 60 homes? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the skills and the mindset. Those are the two things at the top. You know, they spend a lot of time on mindset because that's the most important thing. And then the skills, the skills that it takes to be greater real estate. Um, and to answer your question, um, it's kind of like life in general. Like, so real estate is simple, but it's not easy. And that's the distinction, right? Like, Right. My mentor would always say, he'd say the difference between successful and unsuccessful people is successful people are merely willing to do the things that unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. That's what separates the doers from the from the not doers. That's what separates people that have success from those that don't. It's when you're willing to go in and fall in love with the monotonous routine day after day of just calling, and grinding, and doing the work. That's when you become excellent at your job. That's when you become uh successful essentially and so but you know there's a movie um one of my all-time favorite quotes is on the movie a league of their own and gina davis's character she's the top player in the a whole thing you know and in the league and and tom hanks is her coach this is women's baseball team and halfway through the season all of a sudden she's just packing up she's leaving and tom hanks goes over to her and he's like what are you doing like you're our best player and she looks at him and she says you know it just got to be too hard and Tom Hanks looks back here and he goes, it's supposed to be hard. The hard's what makes it great. And, you know, that's just such a powerful movie quote to me because people don't understand the joy, the pleasure, the fulfillment that comes from doing something really hard. If right. they did, they'd all want to do it. But people want the reward. Like, for example, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro two years ago if they'd have flown my ass to the top of mount kilimanjaro in a helicopter i would have seen the same thing from the summit but it wouldn't have meant anything to me but because i hiked that thing for 51 hours straight because we had to grind and fight and go through all the pain that's one of the most fulfilling things i've ever done in my life when i got to the top the sense of accomplishment achievement and that's what we rob people of again when we don't let people go through hard things this idea that life's not supposed to be hard. Or we're not supposed to have difficult things happen to us. It's just the lie that we get fed. But, you know, I look, I just tell people, look out for anybody that's trying to tell you you're a victim. Look out for anybody that's trying to make your path easier without working for it, because they're going to rob you of the achievement of the feeling of fulfillment of being able to accomplish. And that is what builds self-fulfillment. That's what builds self-confidence and pride.
0: Right, right, and I, I totally get what you're saying. And I have my podcast agency. And that's kind of like my main business right now. And like, whenever I get it like a sale, like it feels good, you know what I mean? Because I work to get that cold client, to converting him into cash. And it also, it's not it's not on the scale of what you're doing, but like it's still the same thing on a different level. Like you still gotta work hard to get them in front of you. You still gotta have that mindset that you're okay. I'm probably gonna get rejected nine times out of ten, but that one person's gonna say yes it's gonna change it all for me. And so you know, like that's kind of the mindset you need when you go through it.
1: Um, I think that's exactly right, man.
0: Yeah. So what was what was the main mindset that they taught you at that real estate coaching thing?
1: I it's not like one main mindset, but honestly, just that take control of your own life. You get to determine the outcome of your life, like build your life by design. Otherwise, somebody else is going to have to build theirs for them. You know, like um, put the effort in up front, like really every single day, you got to be working on what you want, your mindset, what you're trying to achieve. And then go about building it, man. Like take control of your own life, you know, be the hero of your own story. Those are the things that I always, you know, say or the things that I learned.
0: Right. And so now you're growing a real estate company, you're able to scale it. So kind of talk me through like how you're able to scale that company. and What did that process look like? Like bringing on employees and, you know, obviously growing to that next level. Like how does someone do that with a company?
1: Yeah, I think for me, the first thing is, is I only want to be around people I want to be around. And so when I was starting to find, you know, people to work with me, I just look for people that, you know, one of the mistakes we make is hiring people that are exactly like us. You want to find people that have skills that you don't have. And my real estate team is actually still pretty small. There's three agents. And then we got like four admin that help out. Um, and we'll do four or 500 deals with that team. I um, wow. want to be surrounded by winners. I'm surrounded by people that are happy. Every day we go in the office, people are excited to be there. We have good energy. Um, and so surround yourself with people that are winners, man. And, you know, and, there's an old saying. You can try to you can find a duck and try to make it an eagle, but at the end of the day, it's still going to be a duck. And so, just go find eagles and surround yourself with them.
0: That's awesome. And so, before we run out of time here, I just have one last question for you because I know you're a huge networker. You love to meet really cool people. Like, um, he was at your conference last week or whatever. Um, so, what was like the most exciting experience that you've ever had so far on your journey? Like, if you can name like one thing, what would you say that would be the most exciting thing you've ever done so far?
1: Man, I've lived a pretty awesome life. I've got experience about everything you can to be honest um you know uh I'm a huge shark guy and when I swam in the ocean the open water with tiger sharks and giant hammerheads and they're literally swimming right by you um that was one of the most amazing things I've ever done um I've traveled to 74 countries um but if I could be honest dude the thing that I'm most proud of or the thing that I take the most pride in is my personal relationships like I've put that time in I've got the best relationship with a lot of my nieces and nephews with my siblings um, with my friends, and that's what I'm most proud of because that's the thing that really matters the most. So, even though I've done all these incredible adventures all over the world, that's the thing that brings me to the most fulfillment.
0: I love that you still keep the family close, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, before we head off, is there anything else you would like to say to anyone listening? I'm
1: um, gonna keep hustling, dude. Every day, like, and again, people think that there's this one thing in life. They people always ask, What's the one thing? or What's the one thing you ask that a few times. And there is no one thing in anything. It's the consistency over time of doing things great. Like, it's consistency. It's, you know, like when I started my podcast, I'll give, end it with this, I guess. But I always, I had a list of these 25 names that were like, if I can get this person, that'll be crazy. And, you know, I've gotten four or five of them on my podcast now. And I thought is the top people in the world that I want to have on my podcast. But what's funny is no one ever cares about that one person. Like, I remember when I got Mitt Romney on my podcast, who ran for president in telling- Utah. The senator is a big deal nobody even cared dude nobody gave two shits it was like we can listen to mitt romney any day on cnn and so but i had thought like if i could just get this in because i was close enough i knew i had enough connections to get him and and it really reminded me that like there's no one thing it's not going to catapult your business people are going to come back and come back if you're consistent over time So I've pumped out at least one episode per week for four years now, and now I have my audience, it's huge. You know, Jimmy Rex shows just grows every week, but it was never any one thing. And in life, there's no one thing in any of these things. It's the consistency over time of doing many great things that creates a beautiful life. Right, right.
0: Consistency is key, that's for sure. So if if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you?
1: Yeah, easiest way to reach me. I post a lot about what I do, whether it's my book, my podcast, um, when I'm speaking, all these different things. Everything is on my Instagram, which is Mr. Jimmy Rex, J-I-M-M-Y-R-E-X. So hit me up on there. If you ever have any questions, reach out. I always respond to people if they hit me up on that website uh, or on the Instagram. And so, yeah, send me a DM and, and we can communicate for sure. All right. Yeah, great.
0: All right, guys, there you have it. Jimmy Rex, thank you so much for joining me today. And, guys, I highly, I highly want you guys to follow him on Instagram because this dude is just amazing. He's the nicest guy out there. So definitely recommend giving him a follow. No
1: that we go is a one-way street. Nothing that we love is a one-day key. And if we go do we're do this now. And if we say we.